Are you an adult with dyslexia? Are you longing for more in your life than the constant, relentless push and pull on your emotions that dyslexia brings? What about those physical demands that require you to constantly shift gears, to rethink? Can I do this? Well, your host, Hope Bill, understands. Diagnosed as an adult, she often believed she wasn't good enough. Fear and shame were her constant companion. Until she met Christ, then everything changed. This podcast is devoted to encouraging and inspiring adults with dyslexia to make more room in their life for Christ. You will hear biblical truths that will uplift and challenge you to find a place for dyslexia in your life and to let Christ take center stage of your life. Hello and welcome back to Make Room for More podcast. This episode is a continuation in our series on grieving. Our topic today is not listed as a part of Dr. Moses' stages of grief and disability. I decided to include it because I think it's important. I was really surprised that he didn't include it because it is something I know I have experienced and I'm sure many of you have as well. So what are we referring to? The big D word, depression. So let's start off by just giving a little recap on what grief is. It is an intense emotional suffering caused by a loss, misfortune, etc., acute sorrow, and or deep sadness. The Dr. Moses gave us a list of seven stages of grief. Number one, denial. Two, anxiety. Three, anger. Four, guilt. Five is fear. Six is adjustment. Seven is the reoccurring cycle of grief. As a reminder, I'm devoting an episode to each stage because they can actually stand alone. Please listen to them all or the one that most identify with what you're experiencing. You don't have to go in any order because, let's face it, we will discover that sometimes we're all over the place. We will also learn that as we recycle through the grief process, as some of us will do, it doesn't mean that we are not growing and healing from our grief. So be kind to yourself and keep moving forward. Remember, if you need someone to talk to, please, please, please contact a trusted friend, a family member, a pastor, or a counselor. It's important that you know that you do not have to go through this journey alone. So let's talk about depression. Why talk about it? Because it is often the most relentless foe we will face and have to overcome. Now, Dr. William Bucket in 1990 wrote a book called Learning to Tell Yourself the Truth, and he dealt explicitly with depression and anxiety. Dr. Bucket shared the following. He says, first, let's define the word emotion. An emotion is a physical response, state of awareness to what we believe about what we see, smell, taste, hear, and or touch that produces biochemical reaction in our body, such as sweating, a stomach ache. Our senses, how we take in information, shapes our understanding of Christ and the world we live in. The brain and all its neurocircuitries take this information in, processing it as either new information, familiar, used, often information, or familiar, seldom used information then instinctively our bodies respond. 
Pastor Bucket further stated that when we are depressed, we have largely devalued ourselves, our daily life, our future prospects. So how is this done? Our internal monologue, also known as self-talk, wakes us up in the morning by having us turn our internal radio dial to a station called, I am not worth it. People don't like me. I'm a loser. I'm ugly. I'm fat. I can't do anything. Later in the day, we turn on the television to view our favorite internal talk show host, commenting on all the things we used to enjoy doing and why we don't or can't do them anymore. I'm too tired. I don't enjoy that anymore. It's no fun. It's no fun doing it by myself. Who cares anyway? Before going to bed, we watch the evening news that gives us the bad news about our future. Nothing will ever change. It's no use. It's hopeless. I will never be happy. Dr. Bucket also provided a definition of feelings. He says that feelings describe why we start sweating. Our heart rate increases. Our feelings become our mental picture of the state of our emotional response. Let me illustrate. When I'm asked to read aloud, my heart rate increases. Why? Because I have learned to fear the outcome. I become frightened and anxious. Over time, these feelings become familiar associated with reading and writing. Let us not forget my internal monologue, self-talk that has been going on. If I didn't have dyslexia, I wouldn't hurt anymore. Why wouldn't it just go away? I'm not going back to that Bible study anymore. It hurts too much. Professor Bucket explained why in many cases our relationship with Christ, the things we know about him, haven't made the impact it should. God's truth must be known, believed, and internalized to be changed by it. We must give the Holy Spirit, who has promised to lead us into all truth, permission to override the negative self-talk we have become accustomed to. You see, when the enemy introduced his line of reasoning, the negative self-talk about my dyslexia, there was already a belief system about it in my mind due to prior experience. All the enemy had to do was whisper in my ear, you will always be dumb. Once I accepted this as my own thoughts, my emotions responded and feelings of frustration and anger took over. These chain reactions have become part of my neural pathways. In other words, well-laid roads, habits were formed. Satan no longer had to work very hard. It had become the most natural thing to do, to think and to feel because of what I now believe about myself. Dyslexia will always be an obstacle that leads to the feelings of hopelessness. So where does faith come in? Faith that doesn't produce freedom is not faith. For example, if someone gives me a loaf of bread and all I do with it is hold it in my hand, I will never experience the nutritional value it holds. I can take the time to learn all the ways this loaf of bread is good for me, yet instead of eating the bread, I pass it on to someone else to eat. Why? Because I believe I have an absorption problem because of past experiences. Therefore, there is no point in me eating it. I will be faithful. I will be a faithful servant by passing it on. 
I will enjoy and take pleasure in watching how it benefits others. Do I have an absorption problem because of my past experiences? Or do I have a problem absorbing the word of God because I refuse to eat it? The enemy introduces this theory. I accept it as my own thoughts and proved his hypothesis was correct. This endless cycle can lead to one thing, depression. According to Dr. Bucket, depression most often happens when we experience a loss. The loss of a job, the loss of a dream. He encourages us to take inventory of our internal monologue. What are we telling ourselves about our disability? Does your internal monologue leave you angry, anxious, lonely, or frightened? Does your internal monologue, your self-talk, leave you dreading the future, questioning your value and your worth? Then it's time to reclaim your life. Talk to your trusted friend, a pastor, or a counselor. Get active again by reclaiming things you used to enjoy doing. Don't let dyslexia rob you of your life. Choose life. You're worth it. I wanted to read an excerpt from a, well, it wasn't an art. Well, hmm, I think it was an article, but it was written in 1896 by one of my favorite authors. Her name is Ellen White. And she was talking about King David, and the title is King David's Varying Mental Experience. And it reads, The summer's David, in his experience, had many changes of mind. At times, as he obtained views of God's will and way, he was highly exalted. Then, as he caught sight of the reverse of God's mercy and changeless love, everything seemed to be shrouded in a cloud of darkness. But through the darkness, he obtained a view of God's attributes, which gave him confidence and strengthened his faith. But when he meditated upon the difficulties and the dangers of life, they looked so forbidding that he thought himself abandoned by God because of his sins. He viewed his sins in such a strong light that he exclaimed, Will the Lord cast me off forever? Will he be favorable? to me no more. But as he wept and prayed, he obtained a clearer view of the character and attributes of God. And he decided that his idea of God's justice and severity were exaggerated. He rejected his impressions as being the result of his weakness, ignorance, and physical infirmities, and as dishonoring God, and with renewed faith, he exclaimed, This is my infirmity, but I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. Most earnestly he studied the ways of God, expressed by Christ, when enshrouded in the pillar of cloud, as given to Moses to be faithfully repeated to all Israel. He called to mind what God had wrought to secure for himself a people to whom he could entrust sacred and vital truths for the future ages. God wrought most wondrously to free more than a million people. And as David considered his pledge and promises to them, knowing they were for all who needed them as much as for Israel, he appropriated them to himself. I will remember the works of the Lord, David said. Surely I will remember the wonder of old. 
I will also meditate to all thy works and talk of thy doing. His faith laid hold of God, and he was strengthened and encouraged. Although he recognized God's ways as mysterious, yet he knew they were merciful and good, for this was his character as revealed to Moses. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name, the name of the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, Lord, the Lord God, merciful, gracious, long-suffering, and abundant in goodness and truth. As David appropriated these promises and pledges to himself, he decided that he would no longer be hasty in judgment, becoming discouraged, and casting himself down in helpless despair. His soul took courage as he contemplated the general character of God as displayed in his teaching, his forbearance, his surpassing greatness and mercy. And he saw that the works and wonder of God are to have no confined application. Amen. That is such a beautiful, beautiful passage. Now it's time to reflect. The process of grief takes time. It requires work and patience, not only on our part, but the part of those around us. Healing doesn't happen all at one time, but in bits and pieces. As you reconstruct your life, because it is slow, healing is often not recognized. That was written by Helen Fitzgerald in the book Morning Handbook, page 242. So what do you think? Are you experiencing depression? Don't lose heart. Remember David and what he went through. I recommend highly that you even take some of the songs that David wrote to the Lord and read them. One of the things I love about David is that he may start off in a song or a song to the Lord and he's just all over the place emotionally. But by the time he finishes writing that song, he's in a different place because he purposely took his heart to God. He poured out his heart to God. He didn't withhold anything from God. And because of that, when he's kneeling there at the cross, when he's talking to the Lord about what's going on with him, how he's feeling about whatever, his disability, his job, his family, he just brought it to the Lord and he left it there. And he trusted God heard him and he trusted God would do something. And that is why his prayers not only, I believe, were answered, but he ended his psalms in praise. And we can do the same thing as well. If you are experiencing depression, once again, talk to someone. You do not have to go through this alone. And depression does not have to rule your life. Let God do that. So I'm going to close with that. And then we're going to get back on track next week. The next episode will be dedicated to the stage of grief called Adjustment. You don't want to miss it, so stay tuned. There will be more. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Making Room for More. This podcast is dedicated to encouraging and inspiring adults with dyslexia to making more room for Christ in their life today.